Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. We are live from Media Row, and I want to remind you, of course, that Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. That was perfectly timed. Wolf, that entire table over there just started cheering when I read that uh, Very cool. annuity. Yeah, I like that was planned. Yeah, perfect. See, Eric, Erickson on it. Yes. Um, all right, so here we go. We, uh, we're we looking at the the situation with the Suns. Matt Ishbia is going to, that sale is supposed to close this week. Uh, it was obviously a big step forward last night when 29 of the 30 voters, uh, owners around the league voted for him. So it was 29 to 0. Dan Gilbert abstained. I want to read you these two tweets from Woj, okay? okay? Because this is not squarely on Ishbia. This is more of a, a just a broader Phoenix Suns thing. But obviously, you get Matt Ishbia in here. It, it seems like, based on those reports over the weekend, that the Suns were like, "Hey, we're going to try and trade for Kyrie Irving," and Matt Ishbia is like, "Do it." So if he's willing to do that, then you would think he's willing to make a big deal. And everybody immediately shifted to Kevin Durant. And I don't even think that was just Suns fans. I think people nationally shifted to, "Are the Suns going to go after Kevin Durant?" Because that was the main team linked to him. Boston as well in the offseason. This is Woj from just a few minutes ago. He said, in the aftermath of the Kyrie Irving trade, the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant are having ongoing conversations on the direction of the franchise, but organization has thus far told inquiring teams that they're not planning to trade him before Thursday's deadline, sources tell ESPN. A follow-up tweet. Durant had interest in a deal to the Suns over the summer, but so far the Nets haven't shown a willingness to move him to Phoenix or anywhere else, sources tell ESPN. There have been a number of teams reaching out to Brooklyn on Durant. That's to be expected. That's just the end yes. of his tweets. Now, this is us talking. Yes. That's, that's to be expected. It's not, hey, can the Suns get Durant? It's, hey, can the Suns outbid seven other teams that are going to try and get Durant? Uh, but it does, it does build back into that conversation we were having earlier. You may not be able to get him before Thursday. It sure sounds like he's probably going to be available this summer. But you got to be careful that you're not sitting around waiting for him yeah. and mortgaging this season. No, you're right about that. Um, I, I cannot help it, though. Woj's reports, he said this, quote, Eager to start his involvement, meaning Matt Ishbia. Eager to start his involvement with basketball operations and is expected to be a hands-on owner in matters of team building. Man, I hear that, and all I think of is Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. <laughs> I hear that, and all I think of is Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Those are big names. Those would be big deals if, in fact, somehow, some way, the Suns could land one of those trades. I feel pretty confident, as, as confident as you can with the unknown here that the Suns are either going to make a significant trade in the next two days or maybe more likely in the summer. But Matt Ishbia, at least at the beginning, doesn't seem like somebody that's going to come in and be like, all right, let's keep things the way they are and see how it goes for six years. It sounds like where James Jones may have to adapt to the new team owner is we're going to be aggressive and we're going to complete trades. I like the job James Jones has done, but the knock on him, if you have one, is that he's in these talks, but the trades never actually get done. That's that's just the sort of feeling out there. Now, look, it's tough to pull off a big trade. So, yeah. Like I said, that, it's not really a knock on James Jones, but it does feel 
like there's going to be maybe more pressure from the owner instead of the owner standing in the way. This is, listen, this is a gross simplification and an overreaction at the same time by me. That's tough I'm firing. Do. I'm firing for effect on this one right here. If Woj's report, if this is true about Matt Ishbia, that he's eager to start his involvement with basketball operations and is expected to be a hands-on owner in matters of team building, if that is a true statement, I, for me, when I hear that, looking from the outside in, all I can think of is James Jones's time here is limited. Really? That's the first thing, that the first thought that I have. Why in the world oh, I don't love would that. you do that? I, well, I'm just saying. Yeah. Why in the world would you actually say that and have that kind of philosophy? How do you think James Jones is going to feel about that? I, I, I feel like I know James Jones when I don't base it on Eaton's, but I feel like I know him as a player, watching him as a player for as many years as we did, knowing him as a competitor and the person that he is and the pride that he takes and what he does and the job that he does and the thinker that he is and how good I think he is at his job. If you're Matt Ishbia and you truly want to be hands-on, involved in personnel matters, the way this report from Woj makes it sound, you're going to need somebody who's open to that. I just don't know if James Jones is that guy. You might not be wrong. You might be right there. But I I guess the the only thing I would say is maybe we don't know how James Jones would do with Matty Ishbia. You know what I mean? Like maybe he seems a little more hesitant to make moves like this because Robert Sarver, not even that Sarver was necessarily standing in his way, but maybe the environment was never, hey, we're going all in. Let's do this. Whereas if Ishbia comes in, he's like, let's go. Yeah, see, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking talking about about somebody else actually coming in saying, I want to do this. And and all of a sudden, James Jones going, I don't think that's a good thing. I I don't think we ought to do that. No, I I, James, I want to do this. If you're Matt Ishbia and you just went ahead and $4 billion, I realize you only own 57% of it only <laughs> of $4 billion. But you get my point. If I come in and I'm, I'm putting that kind of capital, that kind of investment into this, I'm going to be telling you what to do. And I'm, I, I, to me, I'm concerned with that. I worry about that because you got a guy like James Jones. And if that is the case, he's a competitor. He's a man. Everybody, everybody wants to take pride and purpose in what they do and what kind of performance they're going to put forward. Every man that I know of, every woman that I know of, for that matter, wants to do that. Take pride in your purpose and what you do. And... I don't know if he's going to be open to somebody telling him, I want to do this. Do you? No, I think that's part of the growing pains of switching team owners. I mean, something is going to get totally. in that it may not be an issue for two or three years. It may never be an issue or it might be an issue right away. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be there's some unknown. Even if you are a, a playoff contender, a, a title contender, you feel like and you, you switch owners and it, it should be a more seamless transition. It's still it's still somebody new at the very top, like to what you're 
saying. Matt Ishbia could, this is all hypothetical, could come in and say, look, James, I want some input on this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And James Jones may say, okay, look, man, I appreciate that. Yeah. But you have to trust my basketball knowledge. I'm hearing what you're saying. Right. Some of it I like. Some of it I don't, though. And let's go this way. But the, And Matt Ishbia might be totally collaborative, but he also might say, I just put $4 billion into this. Yeah. I can tell you to go trade for whoever. I can tell you to trade for Marquise Chris if I want right. to. Right. Now, now, listen, we all know Robert Sarver did the same thing. He was heavily involved in a lot of things. But Robert Sarver's basketball knowledge is not anywhere close, in my opinion, to Matt Nishby. Matt a Robert Sarver one-on-one basketball. That's uh, how they should okay. determine. I'm just saying, though, right? Would you agree with that yes, statement? Yes, 100%. Okay, that Matt, Matt Ish. Matt Ishby is knowledge. He loves the game and knows the game. That that is a big difference than Robert Sarver, who loved being an owner, I think, more than anything else. And I'm not saying he didn't have some basketball knowledge, but not to the degree in which James Jones does, or more importantly, not to to the degree in which Matt Ishbia does. And maybe that's what would bother James Jones or any general manager that wasn't hired by Matt Ishbia. Listen for your name every day this week for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Just text Super to 62620 to register. And once you hear your name, call in within the time frame. You could be heading to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events. The FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So again, text Super to 62620. And then the addendum is make sure you listen for yeah. chance to call in. Right. That nice. already didn't happen today. Uh, would we rather have Lou Anarumo or Mike Kafka as the Cardinals next head coach. It seems like those are the two finalists at this point. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Here we are live here. Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. Wolf and Luke here on a Tuesday afternoon. We're trying to figure out when we're going to get like peak occupancy in this uh, in this convention center here, Wolf. You're saying Friday. We've heard Thursday. But either way, yeah. it's, it, I would say we're probably up to the point now where it's about three times as busy today as it was yesterday. Like every table's yeah. got somebody at it now. Yeah, now you're actually seeing some people walk around too the bling as we call it here on media Should i wear some gold chains and walk around on I, thursday you know exactly what i'm talking about somebody that is selling you something they're going to be walking around right now and they've got their handlers and we did that we had thomas dimitrov who was actually on here of course he had his handler walking around with him and his handler wanted to talk as well that was interesting <laughs> I'm, I'm going to we're going to see Wolf walking around during one of those breaks, and we're going to not be able to find you. You're going to be sitting down doing an interview on another station. We're like, hey, remember your own show that you have? Let's go to the 102.5 The Game in Nashville. <laughs> they're here get some now. ribs. Now we can't say as much about them because they're here. And by oh, the way, right. they did not bring ribs, so that's disappointing. Thanks. Yeah, they look Nashville. lonely over there as well. They'd have a lot more friends if they as had. As a matter ribs. of fact, it's not they. Interesting. Well, <laughs> you can't be lonely when there's a they. It doesn't work that way. Uh, all right, so back to uh, football, and 
This is where we should thrive, right? Trying to find the optimistic uh, outlook on a situation. This is typically where you and I have our default setting. I felt less than optimistic coming into the show today about the Cardinals head coaching search. I'm not going to pretend I suddenly do feel optimistic about it, but let's focus on the two guys that are still in the running. Lou Anarumo, as far as I know, nope, these guys aren't taking jobs anywhere else in the last 20 minutes. And uh, and Mike Kafka. Um, before we get into them, do you think there is any chance, because a lot of people keep writing in and asking these questions. What about yeah. Shane Steichen? What about Steve Spagnuolo? What about Eric Bieniemy? What about all these different guys that are going to be busy coaching in five days? Do you think there's a chance the Cardinals want to talk to any of them yeah okay i do and again if you're going to say we're going to cast them that far and wide why not let's do it do it the whole way i i why would you rule anything out it's not like you're competing anymore for some of the top names that are out there right now you've got two guys you really like and lou Anarumo and mike kafka so to me um i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all do you no, I, I don't. I don't know why we haven't really heard them linked to a Shane Steichen or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, talk to him next week. And you know, maybe they. I don't know. Maybe they expected Flores to still be in the running, and he isn't. And they would like to add a third. Uh, maybe they are the reason that Flores isn't still in the running. Either way, Flores isn't still in the running, and that's kind of been the last straw for me today. What's really interesting about it, though, I, I do. I think of Eric Bieniemy when I think of the one guy. You you brought this up earlier, and I did not think Eric Bieniemy might be a guy, and I hate to do this to Eric. I'm going to bring his name up, and now let's just bring Eric Bieniemy up as a guy I would like to see the Arizona Cardinals talk to, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, why point, not? Yeah. With at this point, right now, um, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, working very closely, of course, with Patrick Mahomes, all of that knowledge of Andy Reid. I know that the guy has not interviewed well. He's been to many interviews over the last three years, in particular. He hasn't been hired anywhere. Yeah, you know what? Um, at this point, why wouldn't you do that? They've got two guys that they've narrowed it down to. Right now, the finalists, I believe, in Lou Anarumo and Mike Kafka. Anarumo, to me, if you're going to tell me it's these two guys, I think... He's the guy I would like, which means bad news for Lou. <laughs> so in that case, let's play the Mike Kafka cut. This is uh, Patrick Mahomes from Super Bowl Media Day yesterday talking about Kafka, who he knows from his time back in KC. Yeah, man, he's a, Coach, Coach Kafka is a special person and a special coach. And uh, he, he kind of took me when he first got here. He was quality, quality control, and that was my first year as a rookie. And so I spent a lot of hours with Coach Kafka where he was teaching me the playbook and teaching me how to become a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and it continued for a long time. And I knew right when he left here, he was going to be a head coach somewhere soon. And so uh, I know he's down there in Arizona. And if he gets hired there, he'll, he'll get that place turned around. And uh, it's, uh, he's, a great, he's a great coach and a great person as well. So I'm excited for him. You know, some of these guys, like Mike Kafka, some of these guys are fast-tracked in the NFL. You think about it. Here's a guy that played quarterback in the NFL for a long time. Here's a guy that was a, a um, coach that was starting off on the very bottom level, walking in, being a quality control coach. You heard Pat, Patrick Mahomes even talking about that right there, quality control. And all of a sudden, he's an offensive coordinator, and now he's getting interviewed for a head coach position. He's 35. 
This is a meteoric rise, and a lot of times that bodes pretty well for a guy in terms of him being a very successful head coach when there's that kind of meteoric rise. Well, I mean, that's you got to be careful going down this path of, of trying to find the next Sean McVay. But that, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I mean, that, that description right there could have been used to describe Sean McVay when he first got his job. Sure. I, I, look, I'll be honest. I'm, it's going to take me a while to talk myself into one of these two guys, and it has nothing to do with, with either one of them. If you know, you, I'm trying to look at their resumes almost as if another team is hiring them and be yeah. like, okay, yeah, I can see why you would want a Lou Anarumo because look at what he's done with this defense that really doesn't have, you know, they don't have a Micah Parsons or a Nick Bosa or a Chris Jones or a Hassan Reddick. They are just kind of a team defense getting it done to the point where they were in the Super Bowl last year and they were almost in the Super Bowl this year. Now they got a nice offense working yep. for them, but uh, but Cincinnati's not really a team that wins their games 42 to 38. Like they, they they have a good defense too. So I could talk myself into like, yeah, Lou Anarumo should be a head coach. Mike Kafka, yeah, if you want to go down that path, I mean, I know people in general love to have an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, you can have success without having an offensive-minded head coach. Yes, though. that's yes. that's the thing. Yes, that's that's where I got to jump in right here because again, there's this thought process that is out there based on means everyone's talking about. Hey, you got to be kidding me, man! For the last five coaches that have won the Super Bowl, were offensive-minded coaches. Four of the last five, three in a row. Well, you know what? Everything, everything has a way of balancing itself, and and I, I would say the football universe is no exception to that. Go back and look at the last five years. Before that, I believe four of those five coaches were defensive-minded head coaches, and, and then you can go all the way back to Tony Dungy, of course, winning, and the list goes on and on. Of not only you look at John Harbaugh. I mean, John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator. And we all know what kind of head coach he's become. But, you know what, you got to be really careful and say, hey, listen, the offensive minds, everybody is winning Super Bowls with offense. We have a we have a recency bias that is second to none in this country. We apply it everywhere, and we certainly don't take an exception when we're looking at NFL head coaches. We apply it there as well. And I would say this. I mean, if you're the Cardinals, you certainly haven't bought into my idea of you need to get somebody in here with experience. I, I'm sure I'm sure when they introduce Mike Kafka or whoever at their press conference, they're going to be like, no, you know, this is different than, than hiring Cliff. You can't you got to be careful in saying that they're the same mold just because it's a young offensive head coach who has no head coaching experience and we're going to bring him in to work with Kyler Murray. That's fine if you want to. I mean, you're going to have to spin it that way. But then you also, if you're going to go down that path of, well, don't don't judge person B because they have similar qualities as person A, then it works the same way of what you're saying. Just because Sean McVay won a Super Bowl two years ago doesn't mean every offensive coordinator is a better decision than a defensive coordinator. You can sit here and rattle off a lot of great head coaches that are defensive minds. You know, it's amazing, too. We had Thomas Dimitrov actually on the show a little bit earlier. This is a guy who was a general manager for the Atlanta Falcons for, I believe it was 12 years. 12 years. I believe so. And worked um, with Monty Austinfort before that, Worked too. with Monty Austinfort, as a matter of fact, with the New England Patriots for, I think, three years right there. We had him on. And it was interesting because he was talking about the blending of the old and the new as well, right? He was talking about that. The, the pendulum, the way it was swinging all the way out 
out here? And of course, yes, I may have asked him the question. I may have been leading him a little bit. <laughs> but it's just the, the whole pendulum and getting out in front of this new age. And that's, and all of a sudden it came back to the middle, the way that it always does in the game of football. Never forget that. And you know what? I don't know why I brought that up right I don't there, either. but Luke, I wanted to bring up Thomas Dimitrov once again and the fact he said it he was before good. we got off the air. Thomas Dimitrov was really good, and he had some good stuff to say about Monty Austin for it, too, having known him very early in uh, in his career. So you can obviously check that out on the podcast on, uh, on ArizonaSports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I assume everybody listens to the full four hours of the show and then totally. goes re-listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobody hears about that yet. We should walk over to each table and be like, ask yeah, them a question when they right. answer. One of us would just be like, Totally, and then we'll walk away. We're going to have some fun after the show. I, I nominate days. you to do that. I'll do the totally. You, totally. totally. <laughs> you ask him a question about their product, and be like, oh, this is a toaster that also doubles as a television. And I'll be like, totally. All right, text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. It's a brilliant idea, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, what can we expect from no. Devin Booker's first game back in 21 days? We're going to ask Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports, Kevin Ray. It is a game day, so game day with K-Ray is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. Well... Brooklyn's a long way from Barbados, Wolf, but uh, Kevin Ray is uh, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line anyway as the Suns get set to take on the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Final game before the trade deadline. The schedule makers have a sick sense of humor. K-Ray, what's going on? Well, that would explain why the temperature doesn't feel like Barbados. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, boys. How are you? Doing okay, man. Uh, good. Uh, there's a lot going on or about to go on it feels like with this team let you know, i'll tell you what let's start here let's start with what we know devin booker coming back tonight i believe Kay, and you probably have like a, a research team on this and you know the exact date but I, I think this is the first time we have seen or we're going to have seen the sun's starting lineup intact since october 28th maybe october 25th somewhere late october so what, what do you think that does for this team now well, look, I mean, the, the, the minute they step on the floor, it will, yeah, it will only be the, the I think it's the eighth full game. Um, and if we're really getting down to brass tacks, it was like seven and a half games at the starting five you know, played together. So, you know, when, when you hear the comments from James Jones, because it's not just, you know, book scoring and playmaking, it's, it's all the other stuff. Uh, it, it is the, the, the beautiful basketball mind that Devin Booker has. And the only thing topping that is the white hot competitive fire that burns in this dude. Um, and, and that to me is what I'm most excited by because we've seen how Mikel Bridges has elevated his play. We know the, the kind of joy that he plays with. And, and if you balance that joy and that fun that Mikel has with that white hot assassin mindset that Booker has, uh, it, it, it should excite everybody. 
Okay, Ray, I want to ask you a very ambiguous question right now. I'm thinking big picture right now. With all the storylines, Kay, that are around the Phoenix Suns, all the storylines that are out there, what what is the first one that comes to mind for you personally? Well, the, the storylines are, you know, just, I think for this, for this season, it, it's just been the, right. the, the inconsistency of the lineup. And that's, you know, I mean, that's just a byproduct of the, all the injuries that have occurred. Um, but I, I think if there's, if there is a word that I would choose, it's just perseverance. It's perseverance by the coaching staff and it's perseverance by the guys who have been in uniform and by the guys who have, you know, fought their way, uh, you know, battling, battling the injuries, battling the rehab and the different kind of mindset and, and emotions that you deal with going through that. So that that to me is it, you know, the, the perseverance for this team, despite all the naysayers talking about this team melting down and they need to move this guy and, you know, do this and that. And this team has consistently just not listened to the noise. They've gone about their business. Hasn't always been pretty. You know, the results haven't always translated into win. But I, I think... And, and you'll appreciate this, Wolf, because, you know, you played. There's some games that you lose, but yeah. you, you can oftentimes gain, gain more <laughs> in, in a loss or a, a series of losses as a team and then as an individual. And, and that's what I think that, that I've seen with this team, experience that losing streak and fighting their way through it, um, which gives me even more, you know, hope and confidence moving forward. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports, uh, K-Ray, your, your point is well taken with this team. I mean, they fought through it. They are now 8-2 and two in their last 10. Even before they get Devin Booker back, they have certainly been able to tread water. They're in a top-six playoff spot. you got to feel good about that. Kind of weird over the weekend to hear Chris Paul's name leaked in trade rumors or past-tense trade rumors that he was offered or whatever for Kyrie Irving. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. That, that was kind of almost rattling. Not, not that Chris Paul would be potentially tradable but that it would even ever come out where where did you uh, how did you react to that yeah well look if if we've if we've learned nothing else from the time that James Jones has, you know, overseen this operation from a general manager standpoint, it is, James does not play games in the media. Um, So as soon as I saw like the names, I'm like, okay, this is, this is being floated by Brooklyn or somebody, you know, within uh, the, you know, the, the, the walls of the Nets organization or the other players, because uh, that's just not the way that, that James has historically operated, and why would he change now, especially when it's involving, you know, your point guard, Chris Paul. Um, so, look, let, let's not kid ourselves. I'm, I'm sure that Brooklyn didn't take too kindly to all of the Kevin Durant, the Phoenix, you know, chatter over the course of the summer. And you guys know uh, the way this business operates. So, I when I saw it and heard it, I immediately felt like this, this is this is somebody within that organization, you know, having their little get back at the Suns and saying, okay, they're going to roll the grenade into the room and pull the pin. See how you guys deal with it now. <laughs> so quickly, Kay, how about D.A.? What do you expect to see from D.A. tonight? 
Well, I, I hope it's more of what we saw in Detroit, man, uh, because that was that was outstanding for a number of reasons. Um, yeah. You know, look, it, it's not like Detroit had a massive front line, but Suns were playing on a back-to-back and a, a physical, emotional win, you know, against Boston. Um, you know, it was another quick turnaround. We didn't get to Detroit and get, you know, crawl into bed till about 3 or 3.30 uh, Saturday morning. Came out, and it's funny because I, I rode down the elevator with D.A. Saturday as we headed over to the arena, and I said, get some sleep, and he kind of left. He kind of laughed, and he said, that's all I did today. Well, <laughs> the rest the rest paid off. <laughs> so I'm hoping he spent a nice long afternoon getting napped up and ready to go because uh, the Suns are going to need more of that against this Nets team tonight. <laughs> Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching tonight. Thank you. All right, fellas. Be good. See you, Kay. Thanks a lot. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there for game day with Kay Ray as the Suns take on the Nets in Brooklyn. Final game before the trade deadline this season. They'll play on Thursday, but obviously they'll be after the trade deadline in Atlanta against the Hawks. Final segment when we come back, Wolf. J.J. Watt talking about Kyler Murray. Yeah, we'll read into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Final segment of the show, Media Row coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It is Wolf and Luke out here. Um, well, if we're going to play this audio, a lot of people have sent me this audio. Okay. I haven't been able to hear the audio. Okay. okay. So we're going to be reacting to this in real time, which is the beauty of live radio, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is J.J. Watt on the Dan Patrick Show being asked about Kyler Murray. So before we play it, we're just going to, we're going to overreact to it, okay? Okay. All right. Here we go. I don't know where his trajectory is. I'm trying to be, it feels like Jalen Hurts has a better sense of who Jalen Hurts is than Kyler Murray does. This is some deep, deep stuff. This is, this, I was not prepared for the deep level of questioning this morning. Yeah, I normally I don't get that deep. No, yeah. I was not ready to go into the psychological aspects of players that are not myself. Um, but you're there on the team. You yeah, see it. Absolutely. I don't know if you mentor, if he listens to anybody, but I, I don't know. It's just a weird feeling. He's a wonderful talent. I remember when he was in high school. He could do everything. Sometimes when yeah. it's too easy, then, you know, are you really developing, putting in the time. But how easy was it at Oklahoma? Uh, In that offense, in that offense, it was pretty easy. It wasn't easy. I guess, yeah, it was. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, it was easy for him, too. Could I do it? What? Do you think I could do it? I think Lincoln Riley could make me a Heisman winner. You think he made me a Heisman winning quarterback? No, but don't change the subject. That'd be fun. Yeah, you need the tight end there. I'll make you a tight end there. That is just yeah. A lot of not answering the question. (laughs) Weird, right there, though. It really is. I I don't know how fair that was to J.J. Watt. He was trying to ask him to go deep psychologically about Kyler Murray. Uh, You know what? Is I'm just telling you right now. That question is asked to me. 
the room matters. And the room that matters is that locker room. And for me, I know J.J. Watt is no longer playing. I know he's retired. I know he's out of that locker room, but it's still way too fresh. He's not going to violate the locker room code and start talking personals about somebody else. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, for all the things... To be fair, we, we've heard stuff about Kyler Murray uh, from anonymous teammates or former teammates in the past that hasn't been all that flattering. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't put this in that category. Now, I will say J.J. Watt didn't seem to want to answer questions about Kyler Murray. That's only a clip of it. I think the whole thing is like three minutes long. But that, but, but it yeah. might just be for the reason you just said. Yeah, He no. was just in the locker room four weeks ago. Can I tell you right now... Um I cannot um, remember all the times that I was asked by people, national, especially national broadcasters, before we'd play in a game, typically with the Cleveland Browns. It was really a big deal. The Browns were kind of a big deal with Belichick my first year there in 1992 because they thought we were going to be good. And there were national people that were following us, and, man, they wanted to know what was it like inside this locker room. What was it like? What, what kind of culture? What is the parent? They would ask you personal questions. There's no way in the world I'm going to answer a personal question about one of my teammates. <laughs> it just was not going to happen. J.J., I would be shocked if he were to answer a question like that in the next two years, maybe even three. Uh, you might be right. It might be shocking to hear him answer it in the next two years. Will not be shocked to hear him ask that question a lot of times in the next two years because that Dan Patrick. You mean asked? Asked, not yeah, answered, but asked. Ask yes. Him, yes, he needs to get good at, at dodging that question as he was right there. The way like Larry Fitzgerald's been asked about Kyler Murray a lot, and he's able to just sort of sidestep that question i think the the bigger thing i take from that is there's a lot of people that don't know what to make of kyler murray nationally people that don't know what to make of him locally too uh and that doesn't mean that he is like a lost cause it doesn't look i I will always come back to the same things with kyler murray and this is what's kind of disheartening about this coaching search to be honest okay i'm sure he's got some flaws the people that are like no all these people are lying about him Eh, okay i I don't you think there's this coordinated lying campaign from a bunch of former teammates or you know opponents that think he has leadership issues or whatever i don't buy that I'm sure there's some truth to it, but the guy never has gotten in trouble off the field. He's a phenomenal talent. He seems like a decent dude. He just seems like he may have a few things he needs to work on. <laughs> and and I, I always go back to like what Kelvin Beecham has said about him in the past. Kelvin Beecham obviously knows him a lot better than I do, and he says, look, man, he's a work in progress. He's not perfect, but he's working on it. That's what I keep going back to, and so why it's so disheartening in this coaching search, Wolf, is Kyler Murray should be a selling point. And it doesn't feel like he was a yeah. selling point. And I know he's injured, and that complicates things a little bit. But honestly, if you look around the league and you have a guy that, that is, is that talented at that position, you should kind of be able to pick almost whatever coach you want of the guys that are available. And it just doesn't feel like he's a selling point right now. Yeah. Do you have any other sound you wanted to play on that? Did you, was, it, was that it with the J.J. Watt? I believe that's it with the J.J. Watt. <laughs> so in other words, the look he was giving the dude was like, you know, don't ask me that 
that question again. I watched, I watched was that thing. what it was? Well, that was a minute long. There was a full three-minute thing, so I'll watch it. But I, I, from my understanding, I know a lot of people sent it in to us. He didn't really say much, but that was kind of it. Of like, that was it He was right purposely there. not saying much. Yeah, you know, once again, I wouldn't say much about my teammate either. And I think J.J. Watt is still inside that locker room and will be for the next couple of years, maybe even longer than that. Um, let me just say with Kyler Murray right now, there's a lot of stuff he's got to improve. There's a lot of things he's got to get better at. I am hoping that he's going to be the first one to admit that. We haven't heard a lot from Kyler Murray. Haven't heard a lot from him since the ACL, of course. For me, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that he knows he's got to embrace the NFL. He's got to embrace the old world football schemes as well as the new age football schemes. He's got to embrace them all. He's got to evolve his game. I want to hear that, Luke, more than anything else. I want to hear from Kyler Murray that he's got to evolve his game. That's when I'll know that Kyler Murray has got a chance of being really, really great when he will acknowledge the fact he's got to evolve his game. That would be great to hear. It would also be great to hear an established head coach say, yeah, I took the Arizona Cardinals job because I want to work with Kyler Murray. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Again, I'm not saying that's a knock on Kyler Murray. Yeah. I'm just saying that perception is out there where it seems like the overwhelming perception of him is kind of what Dan Patrick just said right there. I don't really know what to make of him. Yeah, you know what? I want, I, I want people to keep piling on Kyler. This is me. I I, I want people But not to coaches. Keep, not prospective coaches. coaches. That's no, different. Not coaches. I want people to keep piling on Kyler. Seriously. Because if that doesn't get your attention, nothing will get your attention. People out there that don't even know you, piling on Kyler gets that more than anybody else, and it's because he is different. There's no different. doubt about that. He is a different dude, and people love piling on him. Now, having said that, at what point in time are you going to take that to heart, Kyler? Yeah, the, the having the injury right now just really sucks because it complicates everything. That's uh, that's it for us here today. A lot of people thank Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison, Zach Larson, Eric Davis, Jamal Guomo for uh, for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.